The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. The CEO of the G21, Julia Baggio, good morning. Good morning, Mitchell. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. So tell us about your G21 annual trip to Canberra. Yes, it was a great trip. It was via Zoom. So, in fact, we didn't leave Victoria, but um, uh, it went very smoothly, all things considered. So, we had about um, 13 meetings with uh, federal ministers and shadow ministers, and we took the G21 refreshed priority projects uh, to to the ministers and shadows and talked through some of the finer details of what we need from, from federal government, but also the state government as well, because, of course, all of this is a partnership and we need local government, state and federal to be chipping in together. So essentially we are defining the projects for the region and then showing federal government what's required and then hopefully as we head towards the election period, um, the focus will become quite quite intense on a number of those projects. So we kicked off with um, a meeting with the Deputy Prime Minister, Barnaby Joyce. Um, he hasn't been to the region, but he's very keen to come. So he's asked us to put together a, a half-day itinerary to show him around. Obviously, we're not going to get round, uh, you know, Cola, Otway, the Surf Coast, the Bellarine, Golden Plains. It will take more than half a day to see all of that unless you had a helicopter. Um, but it w- will be interesting to put together some some highlights uh, that you can fit into perhaps a three- or four-hour window. So be very interested to hear, Mitchell, what you think should go on that list and whether any listeners have got any um, thoughts about what the Deputy Prime Minister should see if he came to the region. Um, of course, Deputy Prime Minister is also the Regional Development Minister and the Infrastructure Minister, so he was very important uh, to get to get in and, and to see what uh, he um, might think might be worthwhile for the region. Uh, so just off the top of your head, Mitchell, what would you put on that list? Well, I suppose you'd want to showcase some of the industry uh, of the region, I suppose. So I'm thinking maybe things like the refinery out to the north and then maybe progressing through to some of the other more tourism-orientated things that are still close to the city if you're trying to do it in half a day. So the Ballerine Peninsula perhaps comes to mind. Um, Everyone seems to love stadiums in government, don't they? So I'm sure that that would be on the (laughs) list as well. Yes, and of course, uh, you know, Canberra's focused on what's happening with the city deal, asking us, you know, how's progress? And we're asking them back, well, you tell us how the progress is. But obviously a few a few um, of those pieces are coming along, the harbours, the ferries, the ferry terminal. Uh, the convention centre is the thing that really has not got going. And so um, we, we did discuss that quite a bit, that we'd like to see that movement. Uh, everybody does see that as a bit of a centrepiece of the city deal. So hopefully we will see some progress on that now that we're coming back into a more normal state of affairs post-COVID. When you said to say that. he hadn't, yeah, well, that's right. But when, when you said he hadn't been to the region, do you mean he hasn't been here as Deputy Prime Minister or he's never in his life visited Greater Geelong? Oh, good question. Uh, you know, one would think he might have been here, but I got to get the impression that, that it was... Uh, not not a place he was very familiar with. So um, he was asking us, you know, is it is it comparable Brisbane and Gold Coast? Is it that kind of thing of Melbourne and Geelong? And of course, we're at great pains to say no. There's a great mm. big green green break in between, and it's a two very distinct parts of Victoria. So I guess possibly the analogy might be more akin to Brisbane and 
Sunshine Coast. Uh, so, yeah, so he's just trying to get his bearings from that, that Queensland perspective that he's more familiar with. But, uh, no, he's very keen to come down and, um, of course, you know, there's, there's lots of beautiful things to show him. Uh, he'll be... Very keen to see some of those wineries, Jack Rabbit and the other the other wineries down there. So uh, we're looking forward to welcome, welcoming him soon. Uh, he was interested also in the spirit of Tasmania and making sure that we can get that uh, tourism uplift and also that trade uplift that would come from the freight uh, with the spirit coming into uh, the port next year. Uh, now, that's, you know, a big sticking point because there's no funding yet to upgrade those roads and obviously state and federal government really need to work together to unlock that and that's something that's very urgent. Yes. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of time to get that that in order. Um, he, he also identified that we're asking for about $1.5 billion worth of investment for the region with our priority projects. I don't think he felt that was too much of an ask. Uh, he obviously understands regional development and regional investment on a very large scale and uh, there are certain spots around Australia uh, that do require very heavy investment because of the growth trajectory and we are probably one of three very fast-growing regions. Good to, could, good to talk to someone who really gets that. Um, because people are always shocked when we tell them that it's 2.6% population growth a year. Uh, but he did understand that point very, uh, very naturally. So that was a good, a good meeting. Uh, we also met with, um, the shadow housing and the housing minister. So Michael Sukar is the assistant treasurer, but also minister for housing and homelessness. Uh, Jason Clare is the shadow minister for housing. They were both very interesting because I don't know if you saw Four Corners last night, but I recommend that everybody get on iview and have a look at that because that talked about the housing crisis across Australia. Uh, not enough affordable housing to buy or to rent. And obviously, when that happens, uh, you're going to end up with a lot more housing stress and, and homelessness at the end of the day. We saw people on Four Corners last night. One couple, uh, the husband had a PhD, the wife had a master's, both were uh, in steady jobs uh, and could not get into the housing market in Tasmania, just missing out on really the most basic sort of housing as they went around, you know, bidding on various properties. So it, it was a really interesting program. Um, those two ministers, sorry, minister and shadow minister are very aware of um, the dimension of the problem, uh, both working away on policies for the respective major parties. And I think we'll see some big stuff coming out before the election um, from both sides on housing. Uh, Michael Sukar was interesting. He said he had an uncle and aunt who recently moved from Brunswick to Torquay. So he, in fact, has uh, driven those roads through the new growth areas, Armstrong Creek, I imagine he's been through. So he's got a very clear view of, of the rate of development. Uh, and he said that he's had many discussions with his department about looking at Commonwealth land and freeing up that Commonwealth land, getting it sold, getting local government involved to start to develop that land for housing. So uh, that was an interesting insight from him. Mm. There is a big fund nationally called, it's the NIFIC fund. There's about $800 million in that, and that gives loans to local government to remediate and fix up land. We pointed out to him that uh, local governments can't access that fund easily, 
and the lending rates need to be a lot higher for us to be able to to develop our land. So uh, it was good to put that on the radar. Um, Jason Clare, of course, outlined that, that the Labor Party's got a $10 billion social housing fund ready to go. That would complement the Victorian State Government's housing social housing fund. Uh, but that's, that's a spend over 25 years. And uh, we think probably more will be required at a faster rate. But there's no easy to solutions to the housing issue. Um, we, of course, told the story of COLAC busing in workers because it's causing labour shortages, the lack of housing. COLAC Otway um, Shire also has Apollo Bay, which is facing severe labour shortages because there's just not enough housing, let alone affordable housing. And that's a similar story with coastal uh, towns all around Australia, apparently. So there is a very strong national uh, issue there on the housing front. So they, they were both very interesting. And uh, active transport, I see, was also a topic of conversation. Yeah, active transport, which is what we would describe as our network of trails and potential trails across the region that allow people to walk, cycle, uh, you know, any style of mobility. If you need a wheelchair, whatever you whatever way you need to get around that's not a road vehicle, not a car. So it's connecting up and building those trails to interconnect them across the region. Obviously, quite a few that would lead into Geelong that give people another transport option. Uh, and it's all about encouraging people to um, be fit and uh, to explore um you know, other modes of transport other than jumping in your car. And that would take congestion off the roads as well if people can, are able to at least walk or cycle or scooter even. So, look, there's potentially uh, 100 kilometres worth of trails around the region, apparently, according to the, the Mayor of Surf Coast, Libby, Libby uh, Stapleton. Stapleton. yep. Yes, I'm getting, because there's many Libbies I around. I know. So Lib <laughs> Libby Coker, Libby Mears, Libby Stapleton. Um, and uh, and so, look, we we, um, ex we outlined that and painted the picture, and that was very, very popular amongst all of the ministers and shadows who we spoke to. Um, Dan T particularly was interested, and of course, he's the Minister for Trade and Tourism. He's also now a local member in that quite a lot of the Wannan electorate takes in Surf Coast. And uh, he said during lockdown, he's been getting on his bike quite a lot. And so he's been exploring the existing trails and he's very keen to see uh, that network develop across the region as a, a really kind of, um, you know, a wonderful showpiece for the region because it, our region lends itself so well to that, that idea and that network. Uh, so he was really keen, but it was a very popular concept with all of the politicians that we spoke to. And I suppose it's something that's relatively easy to fund as a piece of cheaper infrastructure for both state and federal um, governments. So that was great. There was also a lot of interest in some of the standalone, um, I guess, cultural projects. When we outlined the Yu Yangs master plan and upgrading the Yu Yangs as a place for tourism and, uh, but also cultural tourism, particularly with its Aboriginal heritage, uh, that, that was a really, um, exciting prospect for most of the pollies. We also talked about the expansion of the Geelong Gallery, uh, the Wool Museum being redeveloped. That was popular. 
And, of course, uh, we put forward the Australian National Surfing Museum, uh, which would be, there's apparently an existing small surf museum, but really developing that into a national uh, destination for people to come and see where the industry was born, essentially. Mm. So that that also got a lot of traction. Um, you know, you can imagine it's kind of exciting and it's cool and you know people like that so um again libby stapleton the mayor of surf coast was was really really pleased with the reception that that idea got so look a lot of a lot of great things discussed a lot of enthusiasm um and uh linda burney who's the shadow uh minister for indigenous affairs was also uh had an interesting idea in that the Uruk uh, truth-telling commission that's getting underway in victoria she feels that there's room for a national version of that and should the ALP win government that's something she'll be exploring so she thought our region particularly um you know could lead the way on that discussion just on the convention center do you have a timeline on that because I see there's been a bit of a stoush between Sarah Henderson and the state government about that uh the state government I had Christine Cousins on the program suggesting that construction could actually be starting soonish and Sarah Henderson saying no that's completely unrealistic Look, I'm not going to get uh, in in between either party Wise on move. that discussion. <laughs> but, but look, I, I do hear that there's momentum and that things will get underway. I'm looking, what I'm hearing, it sounds like it'll be sometime in the next 12 months, which is a pretty broad, wide open uh, timeline, really. But yes, anything that could happen in the next 12 months would be very, very welcome. Uh, there's been, you know, we've had, what, a hiatus of 18 months. Surely some work has been done towards progressing that. So I imagine that has happened. And, uh, you know, maybe a sod will be turned and uh, bricks will be laid. Let's hope. When you were around the uh, the virtual world of Canberra, were there any rumours going around about when the election might be held? Because you'd imagine that maybe they'd be talking about that in the corridors of Parliament House. Uh, look, there's always that speculation swirling around. And I think there was a real prospect that December 11 was on the cards. Certainly it was a, a live option. I think that probably has diminished in popularity as a as a date. I think possibly too many things have got in the way. I think what's happening in New South Wales with uh, the former Premier stepping down uh, has probably made things a little less certain. Um, uh, a little bit of nervousness in Canberra about how that would play out. Uh, and then what else have we got? We've got March. And I did note that the Prime Minister again reiterated in a press conference last week that he does want to deliver a budget in 2022. So you would think that if that's the case, uh, that'll have to be brought forward maybe from May uh, to April. And then that might suggest a May election. So I would not be surprised if it went the full length through to May. Yeah, I think you might be right with that. And I think that's what I might have said originally. And it seems like it's shaping up that way. But of course, there's always surprises around the corner. But I think, was it in 2019 that they brought the budget forward and uh, then held the election in May as well? I'd have to go back and check. It's a long, long time ago (laughs) in the world before COVID. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's very true. Yes, but but it's doable and possible and um, I wouldn't be surprised at all. It'll give a few months to let things settle down and, uh, yes, uh, enter into a new world, a new year when everybody's a bit less fatigued. 
And uh, just last of all, an incredible storm which affected our region. I was actually over on the other side of the bay on the weekend because we're allowed to visit there now. And it was amazing to see how many trees were out of the ground with complex root systems, which suggested that they might have been in the ground for a long time. And this storm was the thing that pushed them over the edge. And I'd imagine down on the coast around here, it would have been very similar. But you just start to think what's happening to our state when we've had this many lockdowns. We've had an earthquake. We've had um, probably some flash flooding as well on the way through and now these incredible storms. It feels very apocalyptic, doesn't it? (laughs) It's just, it's one thing after the other and it's sort of almost become business as usual for Victorians. It's like, okay, what's next? Uh, It's just uh, every week seems to turn up some some fresh uh, disturbance in our lives. And, yeah, Friday was quite incredible. I was... um, the G21 board was meeting on Friday morning and uh, we met by Zoom and over a space of about an hour and a half, there were board members dropping off the line because the power and the connectivity all went down across, I think, the Bellarine particularly. And uh, so we lost our chair. We lost our deputy chair. Mm. <laughs> there weren't that many of us left by the end of the meeting. And, um, you know, the power was just off, I think, for about 36 hours in some cases. Which is and, a long time uh, when we're so dependent on power. Yeah, that's a long time. You know, it just sort of uh, shuts everything down, essentially. So, and and for me, and as I was just preparing for the board meeting, uh, the biggest tree in our garden, a very big uh, Mongolian pear tree, came crashing down and crushed the entire garden and missed the back windows by about five centimetres. So it was extremely dramatic. And um, it it was the, the intensity of the wind. I think you could fairly call it cyclonic. It was just so ferocious. So I certainly wasn't going to go outside. But to watch this enormous tree fall was, um, uh, my heart was in my mouth. Mm. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully things are getting back on track. I know, as you said, a lot of the uh, Ballerine was without power for some time. I think down on the surf coast, Anglesey was affected as well, but hopefully things are getting back on track. And we just maybe hope for a bit of a, a quiet Christmas, a boring Christmas where there's not any news breaking about natural disasters or anything else. Yeah, a nice, boring Christmas. Bring it on. Well, <laughs> we've only got one more segment of these left for the year, would you believe, which is next time we catch up and then yeah. we're off. So it's been... Uh, really good to speak to you once again and we'll talk again in December. Yeah, fantastic Mitchell, thank you and it's been, been a good year I've enjoyed our chats and we'll uh, you know, we'll put down the topics for next year and get them uh, have some have some serious thought about uh, some interesting stuff. Yes, I'm sure we will because it's going to be a very big year next year. Thank you very much. Julia Baggio with us there at the G21 CEO. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.